Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. Now I'm speaking with Noah Kagan, Chief Sumo at AppSumo, among many other things. Noah, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me, Ari, my uh, Jewish brother. Yes, absolutely. And brother is in baldness too, I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not by choice. Well, I guess it is by choice. (laughs) Well, I I initially thought the image was upside down. Oh, did you think you were looking at a mirror? Like I just put on an Ari mask? Exactly, exactly. It was like Mission Impossible. (laughs) Um, So... This is exciting for me because I'm the, the kind of person who doesn't like to take no for an answer. And it took me like eight months to get you on here. So thanks to the magic of snoozing emails, you're here. Ugh, you're like a Jewish mother that just doesn't stop. It's very, you know, I think most people aren't willing to, I, I think there's a really big lesson there that and everyone who's going to ignore this is the one that probably needs to be paying attention. But there's something really valuable that you were the one that like literally persisted. And I, you know, everyone, I, I get a lot of emails, we all do. And it's like, hey, can I have this? Hey, do this. And you just would not stop. Uh, and you kept thinking about me in a positive way, not like not like a positive manifestation, but like you're like, hey, here's why it's good. Uh, and then even coincidentally, after a few months, actually friends like Dan Martell and one or two others were like, oh, you got to meet this Ari guy. So then I started actually, I didn't get FOMO, but I got like AOMO. I was like, oh, I don't want to miss out on Ari. <laughs> AOMO, Ari only missing out. And then, so then that actually made me a lot more inclined to want to talk to you and uh, get to know you as well. Well, well, good. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, the fate has brought us together. So, you know, I know that, that you've done a lot of interviews. And one of the things that you had said to me, which I think is a valid point, which is when you were, you know, basically blowing me off, was that you, you all the things that you've said or that you want to say have been said already on podcasts. And so I, I actually have a little bit of a different focus, I think, than I've ever heard you do an interview about that I, I want to ask you some questions on. So, I, I mean, people, a lot of people should know your history. You're, you are you know, I, I, one of the original growth hackers, in my opinion, and, and done some really impressive things, with, starting with Intel to Facebook to uh, Kickflip and AppSumo. But there's two main things I want to talk to you about. So the first, though, are that you started your two companies, Kickflip and, uh, and AppSumo, in, in a weekend, right? So the, the first thing I want to talk about is, how, you know, sort of rapidly launching a company because we did the same thing with, with Leverage. It, it wasn't a weekend. It was uh, the middle of the week, but it was still two days. Um, and the other thing is I kind of just want to talk to you about product management in general. Uh, because it's just an interesting skill set that I found that I thought I had but didn't really and have developed it in some ways. So so first, let's talk about launching companies quickly, right? So a lot of people may not be familiar with Kickflip. So tell us about Kickflip. Medium to extra long version of the story. Everyone always does like short, I'll do a short story. I'm like, nah, I'm going to tell a four-hour story. Let's um, go. <laughs> the whole Megilla. Uh, the, the interesting part of the story is I was at Mint.com doing their marketing and a lot of people here who are probably listening to you have jobs or they want to have a certain type of job. Uh, but when they get home, they turn on Netflix or they get home, they like zone out. And I think, you know, you have to have some kind of clear vision and goal what you want and really, you know, you have to sacrifice other things. So uh, after Mint, I'd work all day from like, you know, nine to seven, working my ass off to do marketing there. And at night, I saw an opportunity with the Facebook games world. I, mean, I saw them open their platform and I know from working at Facebook that like, you know, every, you know, if you can now start putting things on Facebook and you can put ads on Facebook, there's a lot of traffic there. And my friend like had an app that like he was putting books and he had a link to Amazon affiliate. So I was like, holy crap, that's, there's some huge opportunity. Uh, Facebook's going to open up all their audience to uh, the world. So I looked at like all the apps out there and I saw that like sports, uh, one didn't have them, it had the least amount of competition in terms of the number of apps there. And two, it had a direct monetization channel of uh, Amazon affiliate links. Like I can promote like jerseys and hats and gear. So what I ended up doing at that point was just like copying the most popular app for sports, which is like soccer fan. And I made it, I made a hockey fan. So I literally, uh, my buddy Joe from my church.org was like, yo, here's a guy in the Philippines. 
And then him, me, and a guy in India, I don't know if it was a Nikolai, some guy in India, uh, basically like copied that app hockey fan and you put up your favorite hockey team logo on your profile. <laughs> it was really that stupid, but it went viral. I remember I was doing a speaking gig in, at Denver Techstars and I launched it and I literally just stayed up all night dealing with bugs and, and things like that. And it was very exciting. Like when you have that moment that people are like demanding or using what you've made, uh, you know it. And if you have to ask, is it working like that? Oh, is, it, is this actually desired or am I, is it a fit? Like it's not. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be instant. It means you're going to have to iterate. Like I've had a lot of things I've launched that didn't, that eventually like, you know, you persist and persist like this, this interview where you persisted uh, and you have to invest and put in the time, which most people aren't willing to do. Uh, and so with Kickflip, you know, I put out Hockey Fan. And I think what most people neglect to do, which fortunately at that time I did do, I was like, oh man, this Hockey Fan thing is really working well. Why don't I create other sports? Uh, and I think people just get distracted and start doing all these other things instead of like doing more of what's already working. So I was like, well, and even in business, like just something for listeners or for you or for myself advice is that a lot of times like, I don't know what to do next. Well, it's like, well, just go look backwards in the past six months. It's already worked. You're like, well, this worked. It's like, did you stop doing that? Yeah, stop doing it. Yeah, go do that more again. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically launched like hockey fan, baseball fan, uh, basketball fan. I never launched soccer fan out of respect for the original guy. Uh, but I launched all these sports things. And I think what, what I've done well and what's worked for me is I launched something very quickly uh, and then I kind of keep iterating very aggressively. And so I think sometimes that really helps me. Like even with AppSumo now, we have Sumo Me and we had King Sumo and we have Monthly 1K. And so I think it's really helpful. Um, and I do think at times I need to evaluate whether I need more things or just developing deeper with what I already have of what's working, right? So it's kind of this interesting balance. Like you want to do new stuff and iterate and grow, but you also need to go deep in what things are already working and create more depth around it. But yeah, that's what, what, what came kickflip. I... Um, built all these sports ones. I turned these sports ones into a sports betting Facebook game. I turned the sports betting Facebook game um, and other games that I made. Like I made Oregon Trail and I made like a tattoo one. I made like, what's my pimp name? Uh, so I literally was the number one Facebook game developer for a period of time. And I turned Kickflip into Gambit, which was, we were have all these games but our monetization sucked. So I was like, one of the guys on our team was like, why don't we just like build a better monetization tool? Uh, and so we built one and we replaced what we were using, which was OfferPal. And uh, yeah, we literally like, that was, that was like another product market fit because we needed it. We built it. And then within about a year, we were around like $30 million in processing, revenue processing. Uh, and I think we like profit margin was like 10% divided by three people minus taxes. We did pretty well. Now, and you're not a programmer, right? No, I, I, I can hack, I would say. Like at Facebook and I did, did it in college for two years, but I'm more of like, uh, like I don't know, like I, I stick things together. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to yeah. look pretty, uh, but you know, at least in the beginning, I think most people make excuses why they're not doing, Oh, I'm not a developer. I don't know WordPress. Like I think one of the number one things for any successful person that I've ever met, like top three, uh, is resourcefulness. It's like, Oh, this thing isn't working. This developer's not here. This could quit or this woman is not doing this. It's like, yeah, that's going to happen no matter what. Uh, and so I think most people kind of don't look at how do I actually solve that? Uh, so yeah, like Facebook, no one would build features I wanted. So I just started learning how to code. Uh, and then with this, these kind of like Facebook games that I started creating, the developer would sleep and he eventually quit because uh, I, I, I burnt him out. <laughs> uh, and so then I was like, all right, I'm going to code. And then I you know, looked for someone else to eventually end up coding and, and do a lot better job than I did. That's really interesting to me because so the whole, the whole framework for what we do that I created seven years ago is, is this framework of optimized automated outsource. I really try to teach people in their personal lives and their businesses to go in that order. And the optimization is sometimes the most interesting part for me in that for example, I had this idea a while ago that uh, it would be really cool if I could move an email in Gmail to an unsubscribe folder 
and then you would get unsubscribed from whatever that newsletter was. Now, this was before SaneBox and before Unroll Me and all that stuff. But, and I wanted to test it. I have no programming ability at all. The last program I did was like C++ in seventh grade. What I did was I just made a, I took an IFTTT recipe that if an, uh, uh, or sorry, I think it was Zapier, that if I moved something to that folder, it would then forward it to a virtual assistant, which at the time was Fancy Hands, um, and have them manually unsubscribe me. But all I was testing was to see if it made sense for me to get an email, move it to an unsubscribe folder, and then be done with it. I love and, that. That's great. Thank you. So, and, and that took, you know, 10 minutes to set up. And then I determined that I didn't like that. I didn't find that very useful. But if I had... Why not? Uh, because then I came up with a, a filter that was better. <laughs> uh, so basically anything that with the word unsubscribe in it gets put into an optional folder. Uh, and now with Google Inbox, you don't need that anyway. It, it just bundles things better. The point is, if, if it worked and I liked it, then I could have had somebody program it and make it all nice and pretty. I feel like so many people take that opposite way where it's like, I have to spend all this money, all this time testing, make it, get it built and then bring it to market and they get screwed. Well, one thing I, I like, I, I'm curious, do you think that they don't know though? Like, and what I mean by that is, do you think they don't know that they, there's probably a simpler way or less money or less time way of actually trying to solve the problem that they're thinking of? Or is it that like, they just don't have a, a framework or, or strategy or process of actually accomplishing it? I think, I think a lot of people lack uh, flexibility, honestly, and dynamism. And I don't mean that as like a put down at all, but it just like, it, it is, uh, I don't know if it's a skill set or it's maybe an aloofness or maybe it's a bad thing, but being able to just sort of like go in a direction and sort of see what happens and like change if you need to and not be committed to something, I, I think is like a, a fundamentally important skill. And I, I think part of it as well is I don't think people break things down. I, now that Peter Thiel said everyone's, you know, everyone kind of copies whatever it says, was it like, or Elon said like root fundamentals, root one or whatever right, he calls right. it. Yeah. Uh, first principle, excuse me. Uh, and so like, I think literally every single business, like there's name, literally, you can't name one where you can't break it down to like, what's a fundamental, what's the fundamental problem and what's the solution around it. So like Sumo Me, for instance, that's our main flagship product, uh, marketing tools for small business owners. Uh, I didn't even do a plug right there, by the way. But let's say you wanted to compete with us, which you're, you shouldn't, you should just use our tools. But what, what does, you know, Sumo Me do in essence, it's marketing tools for websites. So you know, what, what could someone who's maybe, a, you know, a normal person would do? Be like, well, I got to get a developer and then I got to build this tool and then I got to do this and I got to do that. If I was trying to compete with us, I would go find free... Pl- I would go to people. I'd say, hey, Ari, is growing your email list important? Yeah. How much is an email list, an email subscriber worth? $5. So if I can get you 100 new subscribers a month, how much is that worth? 500 bucks? All right. Why don't you pay me like 100 bucks a month? And if you don't get this many subscribers at the end of the month, you can return it. Okay. Then I would go literally find free plugins and then like piecemeal them together to do all the things that we do and see if you pay for it. Or I would just build it, right? Like me or I'd use a guy in like India. I have a guy in India. If anyone wants or use Ari's people, I recommend Ari. Probably your stuff is good. I've only worked with my guy, so I can recommend him. That's how I've started. I would put up some really crappy thing, but mostly focused on like, does this solve the problem? See if Ari will actually give me money for it. And then from there, I would consider, you know, we have 35 people working on Sumo, right? Like it's not, but that, you know, we started with mostly just Chad and Eric um, and Mark building out like V1 of it. And uh, so I think the point though is like, how do you break it down to that like first root principle, solve to see if people will pay for it, piecemeal like a solution. And as you said, after you see it working and people are giving you money, then it's like, all right, now let's hire the team. Let's scale these things out. Well, and that's the thing. I don't, I think people, most people, I guess it is that they don't know in a lot of ways. I think people don't think about that V1. You know, everyone's thinking about like the final product that they unveil, unveil to the public and nobody ever thinks about V1. 
or MVP or whatever, you know, whatever the, the vernacular is for what you're doing. It's like, let's just make it work. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to work. You know what's interesting about that, Ari? Everyone knows that though. I think people may, or maybe they don't, but I think a lot of people know that. So then the question is, what are they, why aren't they doing it? And why they aren't doing it is because they're afraid. They're yeah. afraid of like emailing Ari saying, hey, can I have some money? They're afraid of that ask. Uh, and that was shocking. Like we launched this course monthly 1K because I was frankly tired of those people that were trying to start businesses. And, uh, and I think sometimes after you've already done something, it's like, I don't know, do you speak a language? Uh, French. French. Oui, oui. Right. That's all I know. So bonjour. No pizza. So <laughs> now that you speak it, it's not like hard for you to learn. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, I speak French. Blah, 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 yeah. Cheese. Right. And so, but when you didn't speak French and you had to learn it, you're like, Oh, this is so much stuff to learn. It's only in retrospect. It looks easy. But so what I've learned for people starting businesses is really like number one fear. They've got to do some like fear challenges. So one that like, you know, I've got pretty known for is like the coffee challenge. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that one, but basically go to Starbucks, ask for 10% off. Yeah. And it's then you find out like, oh, wow, asking is not that scary. So it's like, it's like I went mountain biking and I had to do this jump and I was so scared of it on, Saturday, on Sunday morning. This is last weekend. I was so scared of doing this jump. And I've gone for weeks to try to do this jump. This is the fourth time I've tried to do it. And I finally visualized myself doing it. My friend was like, yo, don't be a baby. Just go do it. He actually said bitch, but I don't know if I could swear. Yes, he can. Uh, okay. And then I did it and I was like, man, that was nothing. So I think for, you know, it's it, in retrospect, then you're like, well, what's the next challenge? And your confidence gets higher. So for these business people, like your audience, I'd say the number one thing is like practice some challenges of asking for money. Cause that's all business is. You're asking for money in exchange of something. And then subsequently, like try to work on and let me then secondly, work on limit, limiting the amount of time you have. So you reduce the amount of playing business that you do. Uh, everyone plays business because it feels like you're moving forward. It feels like progress, which is the satisfying part. But the real satisfying part is when that person gives you a buck. Like I call it the velocity to $1. Like when you get that $1, it literally changes everything. I still get excited. You know, when I get that first person's like, yeah. And you know, I think what most people get their, their product fit from, or you know, where, where people are missing one, they're not limiting their time. Two, they're not trying to make money. Generally, I limit 48 hours, three paying customers. Uh, and then what they a lot of times do... Whoa, 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 say that again? 48 hours, three paying customers? Yeah, that's what I found is like, if you can't get three paying customers for any business in 48 hours, right. you don't have a business. Like I would just try to find something. So what I do with that in two things. Number one, if you can't get people to pay you in 48 hours for three things, like it's only going to get harder, right? And I think then you'll keep extending it and extending it and extending it, which I've done. What you got to do is two things. Number one, when they're not paying for something, they are paying for other things. Everyone has money. Literally, you have to have money to live. Like you have to buy food. So maybe sell food. But number one, everyone has money. They just don't want to give it to you. So what you need to figure out is what are they spending money on? What are they spending their time on? And how can you create something that's more important for them? Secondly is as you're starting a business, don't blame marketing. Everyone's like, well, I'm not a good marketer. I don't know how to get the word out. And it's never marketing. It's generally that your product sucks. So no one wants to buy it. And you actually have to create something that they want to buy. And marketing becomes a lot easier at that point. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, it's really funny in our business because we grew very, very, we're continuing to grow very, very quickly. And we're 15 months old now. We're just now really starting to put some, what I would call like big boy systems in place and, you know, cleaning up our code and all this stuff. And in some ways, we're amazed that we've been able to sustain the growth that we have because, and just sort of stay on top of things because of the systems that we've had. But in our business, at least, we're solving a really, really big problem for people. Um, as are as are you with what you're doing with AppSumo? Well, AppSumo and Sumo. AppSumo, you know, we provide other tools. Sumo, we give people the tools to do their own email marketing. I mean, I guess one thing I'd be curious for you is like, how did you know that your thing was working? Like, how did you know that this was something that like people really wanted? So basically, I had a mastermind coaching program. There were 12 people in it, and I was like, look, I'm I'm going to launch. We did we launched the company in two days. So I was like, 
I'm, we're going to launch this company in like a day. Uh, how many of you want to want to try out want to try it out and be our like beta testers? And nine of them said yes. And I was like, okay, well, let's try it. So, and then within you know a month, we had a lot of issues and a lot of things, but we were doing something that they weren't able to get done before, and we were providing that. So that was like enough of a proof of concept for us. And it was a it was a the nine people were sort of a, a good like diverse range of people. Um, and then just kept growing from there. And then we got very lucky. We did an event in October. We started the company in uh, August and October we did an event and we did a workshop on outsourcing for 70 people. And after three hours, 65 people signed up. So that was like, that was like the big catapult for us. I guess I wonder with stuff like that, like how do you make that relate to someone who doesn't have like a mastermind group already? Well, I think it's what you said. If you can get three people in 48 hours, I mean, everybody, look, everybody has, know somebody. I think that family and friends are probably a bad way to go because they're they're not necessarily going to give you the most objective feedback because that's the thing too. Even if they will pay for it, I still want them to give as much negative feedback as they can so that we can continue to improve it. So I actually like family and friends, by the way, because really? most of my friends and family won't give me money. No. Because <laughs> I mean, I think what happens, what I've known, because like I started this business, like a jerky business as an example. It's pretty well known, sumo jerky and still yeah. going. I mean, it's like, it makes $35,000 a month, dude. So I think the point there just really quickly is that like every business can be a bigger business if it's something people want. Like everyone buys office food, and everyone has snacks, and then you can create a lot larger of a company. Um, so just as an example, it started with $1,000 in one day. But yeah, I went out to all my friends and family and a good amount of them didn't want it. So two, ask them what they do want. Or three, ask them for a referral. Like, yo, who's someone I should talk to? Uh, I think most people discount. I think what I've seen as one of the key number one problems is everyone's like, how do I scale? And how do I find all these random people who don't know me or like me to give me money? I'm like, why don't you work with people who already like you? And then start with that. And then make it a lot harder later. That, that's fair. That's a fair point. I'm not opposed uh, to it, dude. Like what I love more randoms. Yeah, randoms are easier to ask for money because the rejection doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, what do you say to people who have no network? That want to ask, ask me for money? No, no, they want to like start a business, but they don't have a network, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing, right? Because I think when you have like somewhat of a following or you have an audience, it's easy to take for granted that you have that. Cause, and then people are like, well, you're Ari, Mizell, you know, like you have all that. It's like, well, don't you think I started where, where you started? Uh, so I think the things like I can reflect on for myself is that like I put on a lot of events, right? I put on a lot of like dinners. I put on, I went to coffee meetings. I put on conferences. And that was actually a way that if the more you become a hub, the more that you become known and you also become thought of as like a thought leader. So I think, you know, create kind of different events is a great one to pay for pay to be a part of different organizations, either like local ones or online ones. Like we had this monthly 1k course that we spent a year developing. One of the most valuable things besides like the content and the accountability was we have this private group where you can get supported. Cause I think when you're in a like smaller city like Iowa or, you know, some European country like Serbia that doesn't maybe have a network around you, like, go online. There's, you know, a billion of us on here. <laughs> uh, and so I think paying to be a part of a group of like-minded people when you may not have that uh, is really helpful. Uh, those are many, I mean, then your friends and family around you, but if you're in a poor area with poor friends and family, it's probably not uh, as conducive. So you kind of have to go probably to the internet. Uh, you may have to even leave your geography. I think that's one thing people kind of neglect. What, what about leaving geography? Yeah. Well, a lot of people are like, well, I'm in this place. Well, it's like, well, is anyone making you stay there? No, get the hell out. I think about it a lot. Like if you want to be the best basketball player, you're not going to go play in the D league. You need to go play in the NBA. Right. So the same thing is like geographical, like, you know, in Austin, it's a great place. I love it here, but there's also the best of the best in tech or in Silicon Valley and San Francisco and Bay area. And so like, you know, if I want to be pushed and, and grow a lot, you can't do it hanging around like the people that aren't pushing you. And it's not that there's not good people here. There's just a lot more in SF. So 
you know, I'm going to go and I'm going next year and I'm allocating more time to being in those kind of locations. Do you have another startup planned? No, no, just still doing sumo. So we're opening like a little satellite office there. Cool. Uh, But I think it's more of like what I I have like different themes in my life going on. And one of my major themes is like, what's problem and then what's solution? Yeah. Because I think we we all have problems no matter what. It's like your problem could be like, well, I'm too rich or my problem is (laughs) I'm too bored, right? Uh, And so my problem to some extent is like, I love being inspired and motivated. So one, it's like starting a podcast, which me and you talked a little bit about. And secondly, geographically being around people that I'm like, damn, you're doing such cool stuff. I can't wait to... uh, uh, to learn more about it because that gets me just like totally uh, energized. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So now let's, I want to talk about product manager for a few minutes. So sure. How, do you have a, uh, like a sort of methodology or a, or a structure that you follow? Do you use some tool? I see you have a whiteboard on the back there. Like do you, do you use something like Trello or anything? Like oh, how, how do you, how do you manage product? Busted. It's totally yeah, boring. Don't so, worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me pull it up. So, We've evolved over the years and everyone, you know what it is, is that I guess, and I've thought a lot about like to-do lists and organization. And what I've come to the conclusion of is that uh, most people already have a system that kind of works unless you're right in the beginning. And so they have different excuses about what's not working. The way that we've done a lot of our product management is very, very simple. Number one, what is our company goal? Right? Number one, if you don't have a clear destination in mind, you're never going to know when you're there or where the hell you're going. Uh, So have a clear objective that you're trying to accomplish. What we do personally is we have a five-year plan, which... You know, it's like, I'm hoping to be alive in five years and I'm hoping the internet's still around. Like, you know, five years ago, was mobile as big as it is now? No, right? Was VR or like AR and this stuff really around? Not really. So what is the next five years? Who knows? But have a five-year idea of where you want to be specifically, like numerically. And I learned that at Facebook. Uh, and a lot of times, by the way, when you're growing a lot, it's uncomfortable or it's hard. So when times are hard, that's actually the moment you're growing. Uh, it, it doesn't feel good, but afterwards, like, oh, that was good. It's like a workout. Um, and so coming back to the product management, we pick a specific goal. Uh, and then we map out that goal on a monthly basis. So let's say for you know a few years ago, our goal was to make a million dollars. And so we said, all right, by the end of the year, we need to make a million dollars. And then we work backwards. So it's like, well, how much do we make this month? How many do we make this month? How many? And then you do that for 12 months. We generally have our very specific plans within the 12-month frame. Uh, with that, and then so you kind of then say, well, what are the elements? What are like the three key KPIs? Is what people call them, or yep. uh, key performance indicators, or whatever. And so we map out kind of like a very math. It's not even super mathematical. You could literally do it on a Google spreadsheet in like 10 minutes. Um, like, all right, here are the targets each month. And then we do two things from there. So now we have like, all right, we know each month where we need to be. We know the key numbers that influence that. So let's say for like Sumo Me, it's like, all right, how many new customers, how many customers do we have? How many new customers do we have? How much churn do we have? And then how much are they generally paying? And that'll tell us per month if we're on track to hit our target or not, right? Because you start here, you add new people, you lose new people, you see how much they're paying, and then you end up at something at the end. I mean, you can also expansion revenue, but I kind of lumped that into some of the new... But anyway, so like, and then you know each month, hey, if we're on track, and so we've gotten to the point, this is a little bit more high level goal planning, but it does tie to a product. We kind of say, all right, we know if we're off track or on track and we make adjustments in different teams. So marketing, sales, uh, content, whatever it is. So for the product standpoint, like how we align this to the product, we basically take like, okay, we want to we wanna get to this goal, right? So we make a list of everything we can do towards a specific goal. And your goal doesn't have to be just money. It could be like traffic. It could be subscribers. It could be... Um, a lot of different things. We chose money because that's kind of an easier thing that ties a lot of that together. Yeah. Uh, and then we list every single option of, that we can do. We're like, all right, what are all the things that we think we can do that will help us towards this goal? And as well, um, I kind of put together like, what are things that will really differentiate our product that will provide us like something very significant that like people are like, well, I have to use Suomi uh, for, to grow my email list or to, to use marketing for my website. Like I have to use it. Uh, and so we make this list and then we're pretty straightforward. We basically have a two column system where it's like, how easy is it to implement? 
And then what's the likely outcome of that activity? So for example, it could be like optimizing the, the cancellation flow. It could be put, putting notifications because we think people will churn less because they'll see more value in it. It could be changing our pricing. It could be a lot of different things. So list as many as you can, and then you rank them. How easy can you do? And then how impactful did it can be? And we, you can multiply or add those two columns. And then we basically prioritize it based on those two columns. And then we just literally have our priority list of things we think will make the biggest impact towards our specific goal. Uh, the only other two other things that I can recommend that have been really helpful as we're going into 2017 is one, do this early. So we've already, we started this, I don't know, I think in August for next year already. Um, two other things in addition to that. Number one, this is really helpful. I don't even know where the hell I got this from, but I just came up with it or something. A few months ago, I wrote out all of our major problems in our company. So I was just like, what are all the problems that we're facing? I'm like, well, churn is high. Conversion is not where I want it to be. Some of the development is taking longer. You know, people aren't getting support on weekends necessarily. So like high level problems, our product isn't differentiated enough. And then literally, I just listed out all the solutions towards those specific problems. And those are kind of the, some of the items that I thought would be important to put on our you know, product slash company roadmap. Um, that's really good. Yeah. So, you know, what are your major problems? What are the specific solutions to those problems? And then list it up, like, when are you going to do it? So that what we're doing now is we're kind of focusing mostly on a six month time frame for what do we really want to do in six months. And those are kind of the things that we're like, we're going to be doing. The only thing we don't do this, but I prefer, I would like us to do this. And it's something that I would want us to do in the future. And I recommend it for every company out there is having more like quarterly themes. And we've done this a few years ago and I thought it worked great. And a theme is like, you still have your company goal for the year. Let's say it's make a million bucks, but each quarter is like a specific theme. So, and what this does, like, so all this planning and goals, what is it really doing? What is it really doing is it's helping you say no to a lot of other things. That's really what it's doing. Cause you're like, well, what's our goal? And then you say, well, does this help us to our goal? No. Yeah. And is it on the plan? No. And so you really should like spend a lot of time investing in the plan. It's like sharpening your saw and then it's easier to cut down the tree. But I like, you know, and, and tying to that, it's like, I like themes. So, all right, this month is reducing churn. This quarter is reducing churn. This quarter is increasing the average revenue per paying customer. This, this, this month or this quarter is like making the product more defensible. So increasing the likelihood that people are not going to leave. Uh, this, this quarter is improving pricing so that people, you know, it's a better value for certain types of the, the ideal type of customer. I, I like more themes. We don't do that. Uh, I'll probably now speaking it out loud, I'll probably go bug our team to figure out how we can kind of align it. Because sometimes you don't want to do that. Because it's like, well, does, this doesn't align. Do we not do it? I, th I think, yeah. I'm like, dude, don't do anything not aligned with the specific theme slash goal uh, for those quarters. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, well, so the last question I always like to ask my engineers is, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? What are my top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? Mm -hmm. um, let me think about it for just like splurting out some like bullshit answer. Okay. I'm writing it down. Hold on. <laughs> uh, uh, it's so cool. You know what's really interesting? I got to give you props. I think, not even I think, I, be aware of your words. You're saying I think and you're not really, th you really thinking it's not good. So let me recommend something. A lot of people are like, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a business. Ari Mizell is in his car in the snow somewhere in like the suburbs of Canada. Are you in Canada or New York? <laughs> I'm in New York. <laughs> you're in New York. Think about it. A lot of people like, are like, well, I need this microphone and I don't have this. I don't have that. He's like, dude, I'm about to get a parking ticket just so I can make this conversation happen before his next meeting, which I think you have, you're already over or you're late for next meeting. Um, um, well, it's picking up my kids in two minutes. So, Oh, you got to pick up your kids. All right. So th three things oh. to be more effective. Um, all right, hold on. I'm going to try to give high level ones that are That's specific. Fun. I know it's contradictory, but here's, let me give you two that are, let me give you two. I don't know about the third one yet. Maybe it'll come to me. Number one, take more time out to go think. I think what I've seen and what I see a lot of people do is they're like, when you sit at a computer, literally your brain stops thinking. And everyone's like, well, I'm at a computer. I must be doing something useful. It's like, no, don't go to the office. Don't get on your computer. 
go read a book, go for a jog, go do anything but work. And that's actually where you're going to get a lot of your thoughts. Like I had a thought this morning about how I need to like fix my scooter. I have a problem with it. And I just took, I take five minutes out in the morning to think about stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a solution. I can have this other person take it while I'm out of town. Um, so I think people could get a lot more done in their workday by thinking more and doing less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would say like a part of that is also writing it out. So now I've been journaling every morning or every evening, depending on my schedule. And I'll just journal. I'm like, today I had a taco. I had tacos for lunch. Everyone knows I like tacos. Yeah. But I had a taco for lunch. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I started seeing this one girl. What does that mean? What am I thinking about? And I don't know. It just helps me reflect on the things that are going through and it helps me process it. Uh, so those are one and two. Think and write. Basically more will help you really become more effective. Because the tools are easy, man. I, don't, I, can, I have a whole article on OK Dork, my personal site about tools. But those two things I think will help you get the mind right so that you can actually go and do the things you want to do. Uh, second, or maybe two or th- slash three, what I found really helpful is accountability. So either you're part of Ari's mastermind or another mastermind, or you have a friend. So what I personally do to be more effective is every single Sunday, I review my previous week. So I, what I do is I have a text file. It's very, very fancy. I have a text file that lives on my, my computer. I save it to Dropbox so I can access it from anywhere. And it's always open on my computer. And I have three categories, work, workout, and personal. And in each one of those, I generally put like three things for the week. So first thing I do is I review last week to, to measure how I did. And I have an accountability partner, my, my good buddy. I think, do you know Adam Gilbert? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Adam's like one of my best friends. And so every Sunday I have to email him. And if I see things, so during the week, I have this file that I've sent him the previous Sunday and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, shit, like this week, I have to review end of year spend and execute some ad buys. I have to update webinar based on beliefs feedback. And I have to organize some of my plan for podcasts. My workout is two workouts, three cardios. Personal is update my Tony Robbins article. I have a date uh, and set up some stuff for Israel. And so what I do is like during the week, I keep seeing it and I schedule that stuff. But at the end of the week, I know I have to email Adam. And so it makes me way more likely. And if I don't do things, he's like, so why, what happened with that? And I think just having that accountability has made me like way more likely to accomplish the stuff I want to accomplish. So I would say find a person. It doesn't need to be a group. It could be a Facebook group. It could be Ari. It's not me. (laughs) <laughs> but find someone that you actually like will hold you accountable and call, call you out on your shit. Like hold you for someone who's like, Hey, why didn't you do that? And what are your plan for the future to make sure you do that? So I think those are the, the kind of like, there's other things to be more effective. Like last one maybe is like always spend more to save time. So just yeah. as a fundamental number three. So if you could buy a faster phone, buy a faster phone. Like one time with my laptop, I had 128 gigabytes on my MacBook air. I have a little MacBook baby one for traveling. And I'm literally spending, I literally spent four hours deleting photos just to get more hard drive space. And I'm like, no, how much is like an hour of time worth? Like, and regardless of what someone would pay for it, I'm like, my hour of time is at least a thousand, maybe 10,000 an hour. So I'm like, I just spent $40,000 of my time deleting photos so I can have space in my hard drive. I'm like, how much is a new MacBook? A 2K, buy the laptop and stop worrying about deleting some files. And I think most people don't get in that mindset where they're like, hey, I'm on my keyboard all day. If you learn how to type twice as fast, you get twice as many things done you know, mouse, double your mouse speed. Like if you, you need to think about like, what are you spending all your time on? Like your, you know, your computer, your phone, your laptop, your TV, whatever it is that you're spending time. That's like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 50 seconds a day, go and invest in that so that you can reduce the amount of time that you're like waiting for something to boot up. It's worth every single penny you're going to spend because you only get one life. So if you can maximize more time, I'm all about that. Awesome, man. Thank you. So tell everybody where they can find out more about you. Cause we'll have it in the show notes, but just give the URL. Yeah. So I'm coming out with the podcast that's going to be basically, I'm going to be the second Jewish Ari. So if you like Ari stuff, this is going to be like the weaker decaffeinated version. Uh, It's going to be, so my personal stuff is okdork.com where I talk about marketing. Go sign up there. You'll find out about when the podcast launches sometime in 2017 early. Uh, Secondly, for growing your business, if any of you guys are trying to start a business, 
go to monthly1k.com. If you're trying to grow your business, like you got a website and you're like, man, I wish I could have help in my marketing. We've put all that knowledge and, and tools that we've been using in sumome.com. Uh, and it's free tools to start for anyone who's looking to grow their email list or have marketing tools uh, they're going to need to use on their website. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. All right, Mazel's a man. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week. Thank you.